Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And also, please follow Joe and I on social media. We're literally all over the place. Uh, but wherever you find us, like, subscribe, share, particularly on YouTube and Facebook, um, and do all that fun stuff, help us out a little bit. And today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Cameron O'Hearn, who is the producer of Mass of the Ages. And that's the conversation that we're going to have today. I want to give Cameron, uh, and Cameron, you're all over the place now, just so you know. So I think a lot of people um, you know, need to know more about you, but a lot of people have already heard about you, which is a great thing, and they've heard about the documentary. I want to give a little bit of an introduction to both the documentary and uh, Cameron himself, and then we'll have a we'll have a lively conversation. Mass of the Ages is a new documentary trilogy that showcases the richness of the traditional Latin Mass and offers an in-depth exploration of the events following the Second Vatican Council and consequent consequent changes throughout the church. Uh, through beautiful and professional cinematography that captures never-before-seen details of the Mass engaging interviews with Catholics, both young and old, and profound testimonies of holy priests and bishops, Mass of the Ages strives to reclaim the extraordinary mystery of Christ's presence in the liturgy in the manner it has been celebrated for nearly 1,600 years. Now, Cameron is the founder and director of Horse Lord Films, which creates these awe-inspiring documentaries and films that are intended to build up the kingdom of God, which is what art is supposed to do. I like to break that to everybody. Um, he believes Catholic filmmaking is going to have a renaissance, and that will make the church the trailblazers in the arts once again. He's helped dozens of nonprofits raise funding through inspiring many documentaries with his company, Sacred Stories. He has a bachelor's degree in divinity from Maryvale Institute and resides in Ohio with his wife and four children. Cameron O'Hearn, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thanks, Joe Thanks, and Joe. Joe. Or Joseph and Joe. How do how do I distinguish both of you? What's the best way to do that? I'm Joe P. He's Joe R. But don't even worry about it. Hey, Raymond, <laughs> or, Jim, Raymond Arroyo called us Joe Square, and I thought that I was pretty good. Uh, good guy. But, yeah, uh, thanks for so having we, me. Absolutely. No, no, I, thanks, thanks for coming on. So uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Joe Cameron, R. We, we always begin uh, with a prayer because all good things start with a prayer, and this is a good thing. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O oh most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. St. Dominic, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. 
So Cameron, in preparing for the interview, I read this statement in your press kit, and I'd like you to comment on it because I think it's important. I think it's a good place to start our conversation. This is what it said. It said, the filmmakers affirm the validity of both the Novus Ordo and TLM and do so with a spirit of reverence. Since the implementation of Vatican II had to do with pastoral changes to Catholic customs, faithful Catholics may assess the actions of the concilium and Pope Paul VI, and yet still esteem Vatic, the Vatican Council, the Second Vatican Council. Could you comment on that for us? I think it's a good starting point. Yes, yeah, certainly. So, um, I, you know, when, when you're making a documentary, you got to really dig down into distinctions. You got to unpack things for people. And one of the most important distinctions that people need to understand is that Vatican II is not identical with the new mass. Um, the new mass did not roll off the shelf at Vatican II. Um, and so we, we can get more into that. But the other thing is that the new mass is, is um, I mean, it's the sacrifice of the mass uh, of Calvary. Um, and so it's eternal. But the, the disciplines that surround it, the, the externals of it are church disciplines and church disciplines the right question to ask is not, is it right or wrong, but is it effective or not? And um, we certainly believe that the new mass is valid uh, because it's um, validly approved by a valid Pope and that's simply valid. So uh, that is our starting ground. Um, we're not wacky, crazy, you know, uh, saying everyone's a heretic, uh, this or that Pope is not a part of the church. Um, and the new mass is invalid, that kind of thing. So certainly the new mass is valid, uh, which is the starting point. No, I think that's important um, because I, I think obedience, it comes down to that. And I also agree with what you just said wholeheartedly. Um, and, I, and I'm not a scholar, but the mass, the Novus Ordo mass does not mirror the documents of Vatican II in many ways. I can name two ways. Um, the mass isn't said facing the East. That is part of the documents of Vatican II. Also, receiving the Eucharist should be preferably on the tongue as opposed to the hand. That is not a practice in the Novus Ordo Mass. Again, I am not a scholar. I've read a little bit about it. Um, another thing, the tabernacle should be in a I think the exact term is a preferential place within the within the church. Now, I have gone into to churches, Novo Soto churches, and it's not. I can't even find it. So I think that's important. And I, I want you to comment, comment on this because in my own walk with Christ, I have learned this. I, you know, we have to adhere to the vine. And when we do, we bear fruit. And I think that plays into what you just said. The spirit of Vatican II is not mirroring the documents, hence it's not bearing the fruit it should, because we are not adhering to the vine. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have to separate in our minds the documents of Vatican II itself and all the changes that came after Vatican II. And we can ask as faithful Catholics, is it effective or not? You know, we can look at church studies I know we'll get into the Pew study that revealed that 70% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence. We can look into these and say, well, is, are these changes effective? And we can voice our opinions. That's completely fine. 
we remain in the church. We're faithful sons of the church. But the points you bring up are are really important. The, you know, if you were to go in a time machine, go back to Vatican II, and you're actually sitting there in the room where they're voting on the documents of Vatican II, uh, so all the bishops are there, and they're they're now voting on the document on the sacred liturgy. So this is the document. It's called Sacra Sanctum Concilium. It's the document that lays out the the guidelines, the principles for revising the Mass of the Ages, the what is now known as the traditional Latin Mass. And what's interesting is that over 2,000 bishops agreed that let's do this. You know, let's 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 do these changes. Um, and only uh, six, I believe, said dissented, uh, disagreed, and wanted some changes. So we had an overwhelmingly positive a reception of the document on the liturgy at the Second Vatican Council. And that document says that um, Gregorian chant, so chanting the Psalms in the, in the ancient way, has pride of place. It also said that Latin must be retained, but the vernacular or the spoken language can be added in some parts. <laughs> so it's very, whenever it um, allows for a change, it's very conservative and careful. One of the most important paragraphs in my mind, um, I, I, it might be paragraph 23, my memory's uh, escaping me, but it says that no innovation must be done unless it is certainly for the good of the faithful. Okay, so so it's like, let's not change anything unless we're certain that it's going to be good. Secondly, that paragraph says that any changes must grow organically from forms already existing. So we're not just cobbling together what we think is going to work and we're not experimenting with the liturgy. As a matter of fact, it says no one may change the liturgy, even if you be a priest. Um, the liturgy is not a project. And so... So what we have is this document of Vatican II, Sacred Sanctum Concilium, overwhelmingly positive support. And then we have we have another phase, which is what what did the the church, Pope Paul VI, St. Pope Paul VI, and the Concilium, which was the committee to implement the changes, you know, outlined in Sacred Sanctum Concilium, what did they do? What are the documents that came from them? And thirdly, where do priests take it further? <laughs> there, there's all these layers of, you have Vatican II, overwhelmingly positive support. You have this middle area, this implementation of Vatican II that a lot of Catholics just don't know about. I didn't know about even a year ago. It, it takes a lot of research. And then you have this third aspect, which is priests who kind of experiment and uh, don't follow the rubrics themselves um, and and then you have this, this kind of liturgical chaos, which Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI, uh, lamented. You know, talk about faithful Catholics disagreeing with uh, the implementation of Vatican II. He was one of them. He said, you know, uh, it's, it's a it becomes a fabrication if we're making the liturgy after our own image and we're experimenting with it and you have a different liturgy across the street, you know, depending on what parish you're going to. And uh, the liturgy is different depending on the parish and the priest personality. So 
we can we can properly lament these changes and there's a big difference between Vatican II itself and its implementation. Well, I want to comment on this because I work in a corporate structure. I have for almost 25 years. I'm a compliance officer. I work in a legal capacity. I work under authority. I have seen in the corporate structure managing directors who have global responsibility make a decision and that is implemented at the penalty of you are fired, okay? I understand that because I work under it. I also understand language. Ratzinger, who became Benedict XVI, said that my authority extends to the door. No one listened to him. Cameron, I don't understand that. I'm going to be honest with you because I am a man who works under authority, and I simply don't understand when the church writes something down and people don't listen. It bothers me, to be honest with you. And someone, I used to flip out. I'm going to be truthful with you. I'm a crazy Italian person from New Jersey. I don't anymore. Someone told me to offer it up to Our Lady of Sorrows, which I do. And I also know that I am a sinner. And I, I, I seek out what is good, and I I try to learn, which I'm going to learn from you today. Talk about the authority. How does that happen in this church, which has more authority than a corporation? When the bishop, a good bishop, says something, the way I look at it, you do it. And nobody nobody listens. Yeah, I'm interested in hearing your comments on that, Cameron. Yeah, it's... I think what we have is um, we're in a difficult time in the church. Uh, there, there seems to be this this mentality that after Vatican II we have this new, new everything, new new doctrines, new liturgy, new new canon law, new sacraments, sacramental rites. Um, and what we also had after Vatican II was Pope Paul VI made a lot of um, Saint Pope Paul VI made a lot of um, disciplinary decisions that just confused the faithful. I think we're, we're at the, you know, tail end of that. We're experiencing the consequences of that. And like, so we interviewed a bishop. Uh, it's a Bishop Emeritus uh, Breskowitz out of Lincoln. And he knew Cardinal Montini at the time, who became Pope Paul VI. And he says, very holy man. But when it came to liturgy, it just wasn't his expertise, and he kind of entrusted it on people. And he also tried to approach it in a diplomatic way, but it meant that when he had to make a decision and put his foot down, um, he, he, he wouldn't. He would instead try a mo- the most diplomatic solution. So, for example, as you mentioned, communion on the tongue was the, the – the, uh, tradition in the church, the custom in the church for a very long time, over a thousand years. And there was con- there were whole countries of uh, priests and bishops who were just experimenting with communion in the hand, like, let's, let's, let's change this, you know, it's going to increase participation of the faithful. So at that point, it was an abuse. And uh, instead of disciplining that abuse, Pope Paul VI says, well, we recommend communion on the tongue, but if if the bishops see it fit and if it, if it works out for pastoral reasons, 
you can allow communion on the hand. And there were so many decisions like that we can get into that just confuse the faithful. Is it sacred or not? Was it important or not? If it was important, take a stand and make a decision. You are the guardian of tradition, so you got to stand for it. And it's confusing for us, the faithful, when Pope doesn't discipline the church in, in the way he should. It's very, it's very frustrating also. Uh, you know, just 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 sitting there again, not as scholars or anything, just 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 regular guys, faithful Catholics sitting in the sitting in the pew. And, and it's kind of like you, you, you're shaking your head. And again, I don't do that in a judgmental way, because I remember before I learned the right way to do things upon my call it journey back to the church. OK, um, I was making a lot of mistakes, but I had to open my mind and I had to listen. And thank God I had good priests. The problem is there's so much lack of discipline that, that I, I, I mean, somebody who's, who's who's not a canon lawyer, OK, could sit there and look and say, well, that can't be right mm -hmm. or that can't be right. And why isn't anybody saying anything about that? Yeah. In other words, like you said, either it is what it is. If it's Christ, then you, you, uh, many, not all, many people are not acting as though that's Christ on the altar. altar. And I will say this in defense of TLM, okay? You walk into a TLM parish, there is discipline. It's tangible, okay? You walk in, in other words, and 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 the, the parishioners know there's a, there's, there is a certain way to act. Don't even think you're touching the Eucharist. You're not, okay? <laughs> um, you know, and I, it's one of the things that I like. Now, why? Because I'm anti-Novus Ordo? No, I'm not anti -Novus. I went to a Novus Ordo Mass. I was telling Joe Cameron before you came on. I went to a Novus Ordo Mass. My wife and I are very close to the um, the uh, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and the Sisters of Life. And every time we go to any of their Masses for profession of vows or things like that, it's Novus Ordo. They, there's tremendous discipline um in 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 the mass okay uh, there's tremendous beauty they sing latin hymns okay but it is novus ordo okay so to me it's more the lack of like joe's describing where's the authority where's anybody to sometimes cameron people need to be told what to do sorry that's the way it is okay and i think a lot of times what we're commenting on here is the lack of that discipline and the lack of, of someone turning around and say no 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 we don't do things this way Okay, could you comment on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think our, um, what well, I think one of the, so we, you know, we talked about the, at the Pope level, the Bishop level, if we just get a little more granular, something in the, in the new mass that um, I think, so there, there's a lot of holy, good Catholic priests who I know who celebrate the Novus Ordo Mass, a lot of really holy people who attend it. So obviously, you can't delineate, you know, good priests and, and bad priests that way. Um, the 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 pat the program of the new mass, so the the rubrics, allow for ad libbing, so it allows for say this or in similar words, and uh, that that has built, according to Ratzinger, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, this this understanding that the priest is kind of the the creator of the liturgy, so. I get what you're saying about wanting, you know, strict, you know, do this, do that, or don't do that. And like hierarchy to, to get really clear with what you're supposed to do. But unfortunately we don't have that clarity from the new mass. Sometimes the rubrics in the new mass. That's why there's a lot of differences between the, the liturgies from parish to parish. We also don't have that clarity from the hierarchy. It's not clear to us. Um, our bishops aren't 
giving us that clarity. They're not, they're not stand. They're using their platform usually for political reasons and instead of correcting abuses and teaching the faith. And I think us as faithful, we're just confused on, uh, what's right and what's wrong. And, and we need it. We need a good shepherd to guide us. I would agree. I, I th- You're listening to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach talking about the mass of the ages, a new documentary trilogy that showcases the richness of the traditional Latin mass. And we're having a fascinating conversation with the producer and director Cameron, you produced it and directed it. Yes. Okay, Cameron O'Hearn, uh, who is the founder and director of Horse Lord Films that produced Mass of the Ages. Joe, I'm sorry, I cut No, it's okay. I, I mean, um, one thing I've always said to my wife, you know, is Christ was clear. Christ was perfectly clear, always. You always knew where he stood. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You knew where he stood. The job of a father, I am a father, I'm a father of four. I'll be a father of five, October 1st. So please pray for me. Um, Is you are the head of the house and you have to lead your family to heaven. Well, the job of a priest is bigger than that. He has a bigger family and he has to lead that flock to heaven. And there are stipulations, just like there are rules in a house. My kids cannot stand on the table when we eat dinner. I understand their kids, and sometimes they get on the table. I don't beat them down, but I pick them up and I put them back down on the floor because they don't belong on the table. If this is what I don't, again, because I am a man of authority, because I work in that structure. If there is something written down, and it is in the rubrics of the church, you do it because it's written down. Because here's the deal then don't write it down. Don't write it down. Like, I don't understand that. And, and, and the bishop's job and the priest's job is to follow that. And I got news for you, and I'm going to say it. If you don't want to do that, you're in the wrong field. I'm sorry. That's not, just like a father. Joe, I want to get uh, just move it along a little bit because we have a few minutes before the break. I want to jump in uh, with Cameron. I want to talk a little bit more about the film itself. Cameron, just to... Um, we're curious, what, is, what was some of the things that you found surprising uh, during the filming process? What, what, what kind of like pushed you back a little bit? I said, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> There's a lot of surprising things. I've learned a lot this past year of filming. Um, I studied liturgy, I, even like breaking open these documents and reading them, you know, Sacred Sanctum Concilium or like the implementation of Vatican II after. Um, I... So, but yeah, I learned so much on this production, but one of the, one of the less kind of, uh, you know, technical things I learned and more societal that was really surprising to me was I expected to find at the typical Nova Sordo parish, a lot of angry, bitter people. Um, because when you go online and you post anything about the traditional, uh, you have people who sit, who are very vicious and um, either way, like, oh, you didn't mm-hmm. say enough or you're stupid or um, the Pope's not the Pope or whatever. And uh, there's a lot of anger, vitriol. But when, you know, we've been to 10 different states around the country, around the filming country. at multiple parishes, and we did not see that. Like there's, pe- there's people like that, certainly. 
but the vast, vast majority of people are just happy, faithful Catholics, disciplined Catholics, Catholics who just love their faith and love this mass and want to give this mass to their children. They found something they love and appreciate it. And that was one of the most surprising things was how much joy and enthusiasm there was behind this movement and not anger and bitterness and divisiveness. Tell you something, you know, I don't know how much experience you have with social media, but Joe, Joe and I have found out um, that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of anger out there. And then sometimes, I'll be honest with you, Joe and I talk about it all the time, Cameron, it's like you can't win. We're not here with you taking sides. We said before the show, it is not a matter of taking sides, Novus Ordo um, or the or the TLM. It's a matter of asking questions, and that's our job as Catholics. We can ask respectful questions, both of each other and of the of the hierarchy. There's nothing wrong with that. But the bitterness and the anger sometimes, it's like, oh, you're not on my side. There's something wrong with you. And then the other side, well, you're not on my side. I, I, last time I checked, I thought I was on the side of Christ. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm supposed to be uh, finding a camp here, you know, and, and you know, and I, I, I'm glad you said that. I'm, and it's encouraging because unfortunately what gets on social media yes. or what people think or the impression they have is that we're all freaking angry. And that's, that's social media. That that's social media, almost in every, you could be, you could have been like a, I don't know, sewing enthusiast Facebook group or something. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be people just so angry <laughs> right. about you didn't sew my method. way. Therefore there's something wrong with you. Your quilt yeah. sucks. You know, you're not doing it. <laughs> right. um, yeah. But I think that's just social media. I mean, Twitter, like it's so just the way it's designed. It's so like hot and heavy and everything's like my opinion's more important than yours. So I think that brings out the worst in us. And unfortunately, in traditional Catholics, it brings out the worst in us, too. You know, I, I want to talk about something about making the church in your own image. Again, I am I'm, I work in a legal capacity and I let the documents speak for themselves. You see, it's not my church. You see, that's why I have no problem with the Latin mass for one reason. The church says it's OK because I'm a son of the church. I'll use another example. There are people who attend a charismatic mass. I'll be honest, I don't care for it. One of my godparents from one of my children, they attend it. But the church says it's okay. So, because it's not my church. You see, it comes down, Protestantism sneaks in in many ways. You see, I trust the church because I'm a son of the church. I think of the movie, The Untouchables, Elliot Ness. He says, you cannot drink alcohol. And he fights for that because that is the law. At the end of the movie, they say, prohibition is over, Mr. Ness. What are you going to do? I'm going to have a drink because now he can, because he is a son of the law. I'm a son of the church. Talk about that. Talk about remaking the church in your own image, both on the Novus Ordo side, as well as the TLM side. I heard a, a Catholic uh, speaker say it say it this way that you know to be Catholic is to be on the bark of the church on on this ship, and Protest Protestantism went to the left. They said, "I'm not going to be on this ship. Um, I am my own authority." But there are ultra traditionalist Catholics who go the other on the other. They jump over the other side, right? They want to say that they have a better interpretation of tradition. 
and uh, they can make their own decisions. So they jump off the bark of Peter in the other direction. And I think that's a good way to think of it. We, we are faithful sons of the church. Now, if let, let me just give a, an example of something that might happen. Let's say Pope Francis releases a, another moto proprio, and it eliminates the traditional Latin mass. As a faithful son of the church, I'm not going to start my own church as a Protestant. I'm not going to start Cameron's Catholic church. Um, I'm also not going to join SSPX because it's the Society of St. Pius X, because as far as I can tell, they're in an irregular relationship. The church has said you're not to be a, a you know, consistent, you're not supposed to attend there consistently. It's not supposed to be your home parish, um, their chapels. So I would stay in the church and suffer. <laughs> and I, I, that, I think sometimes that's what we're called to, just to, to be obedient and suffer. There's a difference between um, obedience and is it right or wrong? You know, what, like we talked about earlier. Cameron, you sure you're not that? Italian? That suffering is part of it. I love it. I love <laughs> what you just said. Please go on. It's wonderful. I, I like to use the analogy of, uh, I don't know if you guys are Lord of the Rings fans, but sure. in, in The Return of the King, you had the steward of Gondor, who was, you know, at Minas Tirith. He was the, the guardian of Minas Tirith. He wasn't the rightful king. He was a steward. As we know, Aragorn is the rightful king. But Cameron, uh, Cameron, yes. let's let's leave it there for a second, because unfortunately on radio, you got to take a break. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm Lord of the Rings, man. So I, I don't want to cut you off. I want you to keep going. Uh, you're listening to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app. We're having a fascinating, don't go anywhere. We're having a great conversation with Cameron O'Hearn, who's the founder and director of Force Lord Films, which produced Mass of the Ages, a new documentary trilogy that showcases the richness and beauty of the traditional Latin Mass. So stick around, don't go anywhere. We're gonna come right back. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Way, way, way in the breach with Cameron O'Hearn, who's the founder and director of Horse Lord Films, which produced Mass of the Ages, a new documentary trilogy that showcases the richness of the traditional Latin Mass. It's a great conversation. Now, Cameron started talking about The Lord of the Rings, okay? So I'm going to let him jump right back into that. So I, anyone who's seen Return of the King, you remember the steward of Gondor, 
the long hair, very vicious character. He, um, he is not the rightful king, but he has the authority to rule Minas Tirith in Gondor. And uh, his son, Faramir, comes home and tells him that Boromir, if you remember from the first film, has died in battle. And Boromir was his favorite son. And in his grief, uh, the steward sends his only surviving son back into battle, into a battle he knows he will almost certainly die in. Faramir obeys his father. Now we can ask, um, was it good for him to obey or not? Uh, he was going to his death. Uh, was it a good decision or not? Uh, it seemed like a terrible decision because they weren't going to do anything in the battle. They just, and it, it was played in that way. They just rode into battle almost to their certain death. And, uh, but Faramir obeyed. And I think that's, that's what we come back to with the church. Sometimes we, we have to suffer in the church. We can, we can ask and say, is this, is this right or wrong in, in this way? But uh, there's some things I, I think that we um, should ask prudently, like for me and my family, um, we attend the traditional Latin mass mainly for the piety of our children. We don't want their piety to be offended. We want them to recognize Jesus present on the altar and the Eucharist, and they do at the traditional Latin mass. There's a lot of things built into the mass that kind of um, show that reverence. But the other thing I would say Joe R, <laughs> to your point, is that um, if if the priests of the world just followed the rubrics of the new mass, a lot of hurt would be solved. Um, there would be a lot of good done. One, one really interesting thing actually written into the rubrics is some of the prayers are facing the altar and some are facing the people. So it's assumed in the rubrics today at your mass, at your local parish, that the priest is sometimes facing the altar and sometimes facing you when he's talking to you. Let us pray, for example. And if the priest would follow the rubrics, they would be praying the mass facing the altar, facing east, uh, ad orientum. And there's a lot of options in, in the rubrics of the mass. So priests can certainly choose the most traditional sacred options. Um, for example, uh, instead of inserting hymns into the mass uh just these tacky hymns they can insert gregorian chant they can chant there's actually an official chant uh the uh from the church handed down from the church that has the chant listed there and any church can have gregorian chant any church can face east you can implement silence in the prayers you don't have to pray every prayer out loud and we can return to sacredness and mystery and transcendence. I think that's I think that's right. That's one of the main problems. I think that one of the main problems, and I'll hand it over to Joe, but we will, so we won't beat a dead horse. But that's the main thing is that please bring back the reverence, as you said, Cameron. Okay, these are part of the rubrics. A priest can do it. I think a lot of times, unfortunately, priests are afraid to be offensive, whatever the hell that means. Okay. In other words, a poor priest that I knew when when my wife and I first moved here, where we live now, we're looking for a parish. 
I, I went, we went to this parish because we walked in and I listened to the homily of the priest. And I was like, man, he's spot on. That's what we all need to hear. Then I find out a few weeks later that, that, that he's been, the, 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 the archdiocese has been called a million times because they don't like the fact that he talks about abortion. He talks about gay marriage. He talks about uh, turning off your cell phone in church. And they didn't like that, you know? And so every priests are so afraid sometimes and unfortunately, a lot of that has to do with the lady. But I don't, like I said, I don't want to be the dead horse at the front line with Joe and Joe. We need a little bit more discipline. We need a little bit more reverence. That, I think, goes without saying. With that, I'm going to hand it over to, to Joe Restinello. I just want to comment very briefly on what you said. I would suffer. Cameron, you are a faithful son of the church, and I respect that statement. I, I'll tell you something I learned in my own walk, working with the missionaries of charity. I was a big fan of Father Karapi. I thought he did a great job. Um, he was a great teacher of what the church truly proclaims in doctrine. Um, and when he was in his troubles, I talked to a missionary of charity, a very holy nun, Sister Carmel. God bless her. She's still alive. She's in her 80s. And I told her what was going on. And what she said to me is this. She said, he should not say a word because God will defend him. You see, when you're in the right, God will defend you. We've seen this in the lives of saints. Padre Pio was treated wrongly. Uh, Jean Jagan, who founded uh, the Little Sisters of the Poor, her order was taken from her. And in the end, the cleric that took it repented of it at his deathbed. God will defend you. You see, it comes down to a lack of faith. Joe mentioned how some priests are afraid to say the truth. People might leave. Well, maybe they will. Eventually, more will return. Because we must trust in the Lord. We must trust in the Lord. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what more I can add. Because I, I think if you're a priest who is challenging people you're going to attract different people why why is your parish filled with softies just a bunch of like waxing catholics who, who don't even believe in the real presence well it's because you're not changing a thing you're going along with the status quo if you just say it like it is preach well offer the sacrifice well then then you will attract the right people i definitely agree with that you're listening to the front line with joe and joe joe Pasillo, joe Racinello. We're having a fascinating conversation with Cameron O'Hearn, the founder and director of Horse Lord Films, which produced Mass of the Ages, a new documentary trilogy that showcases the richness of the traditional Latin Mass. Now, Cameron, let me ask you this, okay, um, about the film. So, well, let's let's get this out of the way first, because I because this obviously is very important. Number one, how can people view the film? Okay, um, I saw the first installment, so I've been waiting to ask you for that that, that question for myself. Okay, um, how can people view the film? But who's the intended audience? I mean, we're doing a lot of talking here about rubrics and discipline and everything else. Who'd you make the movie for, Cameron? It would have been easy to make this film for traditional Catholics. All you do is turn on a camera and show a Latin mass and we love it. <laughs> or we or we break open a book and talk about rubrics and all this nerdy stuff. That's not going to change a thing. So uh, this, this film is intended to introduce the broad Catholic world. It's for faithful Catholics in the pews to introduce them to the traditional Latin mass, the mass of the ages. And people can view it by just going on YouTube and searching mass of the ages and they can find 
film number one there. Film number two and three are currently in post-production. And we're, I, I, we could talk a lot about what episode two and episode three are gonna, going to be about, but that would take, take a while. I'll just say that episode three is still in production because there's a lot of things that are unfolding currently with uh, the new moto proprio from Pope Francis and what does the future of the traditional Latin mass look like and a lot of uh, exciting, you could say, developments. So um, episode two and three will be out in the new year and episode two will actually be in limited release in some theaters uh, this year. So we'll, we'll oh, have great. a private screening, uh, a couple private screenings. So you, if you're willing to drive far enough, uh, we'll let you know where and when, <laughs> and uh, that'll be this year, uh, limited release of episode two. And where, where would people go to, be, to get updates uh, from you, uh, like whether it's social media or a website, where would the, our listeners at the Veritas Catholic Network go so they could be updated on these things, when the releases are going to happen, where, and, and all of that fun stuff? Yeah, so the best way to get information about how to watch these films and especially see them in theaters and developments in that direction, go to theliturgy.org theliturgy.org and there you just click get notified give us your email address and you'll get behind this behind the scenes stuff uh a lot of information but we're not going to bombard your email inbox we, we hate doing that we just give you the the necessary updates uh when things change and when you would like to know i wish more organizations would do that by the way i get <laughs> like like i'm interested in updates but then i get but i get i i feel like i'm getting shelled like like berlin in 19 you know in 1944 it's like come on man i don't need a hundred emails a day just let me know when you know the pertinent information so, so are it's you very even good, working you know? on anything if all you're doing is updating me <laughs> right are you guys making a film or are you just trying to raise some money I, oh by the way just so we know because because joe and i always talk about um on the show totally or, you know, maybe not completely off topic. Um, how do you, Joe and I talk about providence all the time and trusting in the Lord, Cameron. How have you raised the money or what means did you employ to raise the money to make uh, to make these films? I think, it, you know, I imagine it takes a lot of trust. Um, how, how are you doing that? Well, that's a great question. So a year and a couple months ago, I stood in front of an image of Christ the King in my house and recorded my first video saying, we're about to launch a Kickstarter campaign. And I had read a few weeks prior about if we want to feel, feel and experience the providence of God, you have to jump out of the plane. And you're not going to know if your parachute works until you feel those cords on your back. And a lot of us live without jumping out of the plane. And we have these big ideas and big plans. Yes, we, we need prudence on one hand, obviously. But sometimes we need to, to make a step. Uh, I could have talked about Mass of the Ages for a long time, but I read that. I was like, okay, well, now or never. I want to, we have to do this now. And I don't know what's going to happen, but we have to jump. And that Kickstarter was really successful. So we, we asked the question, what's the minimum we could raise to make the film? Not to market it or anything, just to like have it on a shelf. Mm -hmm. And we we almost tripled that goal. And so we got so much content over this past year that we decided to make three films. <laughs> and then uh, now we're at the phase where we're marketing and distributing uh, the first film. And it was an exercise in Providence. It's funny how God can completely provide in, in that way, but we still kind of like, when we're also, 
when we're to take the next step, we still get nervous. We don't know if yeah. we pull through and, but we also get better at it. Like I look back and I'm so grateful that I took that step and the people with me, you know, took that step for the project and, uh, it gets easier, but it was certainly scary <laughs> at the beginning. Was it all, was it all crowdfunding? At the beginning it was. And then just based on our audience, you know, people have been uh, sending us uh, checks in the mail and that kind of thing in order to help us promote the film. So we don't just want this to be a, a YouTube video. It gets thousands of views. We really want to want to open up the traditional Latin mass to the Catholic world. So millions of Catholics to see this film, thousands of priests to start celebrating the traditional Latin mass. And we've already heard from a lot of people who they're going to the Latin mass for the first time, or they're, they're excited to offer the Latin mass when they're ordained a priest, like those kinds of things. So it's really exciting. Awesome. awesome. I mean, I think it's providential that you're on the show because I love what you just said about providence. Cause we say it all the time, get out of the boat guys. <laughs> God doesn't work while you're sitting in your lazy boy chair. It doesn't work that way. Get out of the boat. You see, God works in the space of sacrifice. Everything about Christ was sacrifice. Everything. He gave everything, every drop of his blood. Well, as fathers, we're called to do the same, white martyrdom. We die to ourselves, and that is a struggle. You want to do something for God, you got to get out of that boat. That's so important. And, you know, when we started our little venture— Joe Campo, who uh, runs Grassroots Films, was involved at the very start, and he said to us something that Benedict Groeschel said to him. You want to start something for, for God? Have no money. Because if <laughs> – have nothing. Because as you do it, it will be given to you, and we did the same thing. All the equipment that you see right now with us, crowdfunded. I didn't put a dime into it. God funded it. We have to have that trust again. We don't, I don't see it. I'm it's, being it's honest. Like Cameron, Joe, it's like Cameron said, though. It's, and, and, and it's funny you say that, Cameron, because that nervousness you talked about, I think about that all the time. I trust in God. I had this conversation with one of the Sisters of Life. I said, I trust in God. My problem is I don't have that radical trust in God. So I think I even no, used like, the word I trusted nervousness. in God. And so I already did that. I, I did trust in God. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, okay, but, okay, I trust in God, but, but I'm going to take again? this next step. You know, it's like, all right, give me give me a Johnny Walker Black first, all right? I need a shot, and then I could, you know, I need to get rid of the, you know. But but in, in seriousness, I, you know, and that's what we all have to do in our everyday lives, not just if you're making movies or you have a radio show or a podcast, all the decisions you make, it's, it's so important prayer. Like you said, you were standing in front of the image of Christ the King. I'm sitting next to my image of Christ the King right here in, in my apartment. Uh, we have our home enthroned. Um, and they say, yeah, yeah, if he's there and you believe it, right, you, you then pray to him and trust in him. And like Joe said, but then you got to get up and you got to you gotta move forward. You can't sit in a lazy boy chair. It's not just going to happen. You know, it's like the boxer who prays to God and, you know, it says, you know, Lord, help me win the fight. Okay, throw a punch. That would help first, <laughs> you know? So with that, we got we got to probably about, we have a decent amount of time left. So Joe, where do you want to head? I want to talk a little bit about, I think, one of the uh, foundational issues with, I think, the American Catholic scene right now, which comes out of Pew, as in research, that says that 70% of Catholics do not believe in the true presence. I mean, this is not my statistic, and Pew is a fairly reputable uh, you know, organization. That is concerning, and I think that is at the root of a lot of the, the problems here. In the TLM mass, that is, um, 
there is an identification that it, there is Christ there. In the Novos Ordo Mass, and I will, it, I will say this, I go to a Novos Ordo Mass. I go to a Polish church. I'm Italian. My wife is Haitian. And we go to a Polish church because they do things, I think, in a very reverent manner. I like the way they do things. So I go to it. Um, however, that shouldn't be. There shouldn't be the flavor of the month. This church does this. Catholics, it should be universal. Sadly, it is not the reality. It comes down to this. We don't believe Jesus is on the altar because if we did, that changes everything. You yeah. want to go to mass every day. You will be reverent and it will dictate the beat of your life. Talk a little bit about that because and how do we resolve it? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we I mean, for those of us who grew up Catholic, you know, we start off with a very comfortable Catholicism. It's just it's just our family. It's just cozy cradle Catholicism. And at some point, some of us have an encounter with Jesus that changes our life. And as Catholics, we recognize him on the altar. And it's not just this some like ethereal uh being. It's it's Christ. It's the king. It's 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 the the one who loved me to this extent and it changes our life so we recognize him on the altar and recognize him in adoration but after after my experiences of christ in the eucharist and and falling in love with him i would go to many nova sordo masses and there was just this disconnect there was this cognitive dissonance okay we believe this but yet you know in adoration the we're so careful and we're we bow on both knees we put our faces in into the dust but at mass the priest is kind of shuffling these hosts around like they're pieces of bread um or distributing them like they're pamphlets or something well that that upset me i, I started to recognize well there's something wrong here my first traditional at mass was a low mass so it was almost completely silent very simple no choir or anything. And uh, I was struck first and foremost by the utter serene disciplinary reverence towards the Blessed Sacrament, um, almost scrupulously so. Like before and after the priest even touches the Blessed Sacrament, he has to genuflect. So there's like all these times where he has to, like he's doing these prayers, moving the host blessing, and then he'll genuflect and then turn a page, genuflect. It's like, okay, that's not efficient, but it's so meaningful. And for, for me, it's like, that is what I want to see. And that's what I want my children to see. When they come up for communion, I want them to come to this altar rail where there's a separation, but the love of God, you know, still spills over and 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 captures them. And the, there's all this meticulous care for the Blessed Sacrament, the patents, the the every particle is worth more than the universe. You know, that's that's what we believe. Yet, is that how we act? And that's right. the traditional Latin Mass has that in spades. One thing I would say to you, Cameron O'Hearn is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, way in the breach, discussing the mass of the ages, the traditional Latin mass, mass of the ages is Cameron's new uh, documentary film. And uh, we'll tell you at the end where you could find that. My, my thing, Cameron, um, I don't know, I don't know quite how to put this because I don't want to, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's, well, 
Actually, I'm not going to go there because I I I, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit, and I and I don't I don't want to I don't want to come across as disrespectful, but I think that the 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 being in a traditional Latin mass, sitting there, the reverence. Oh, this is what I was going to say. I don't think it'll get me in too much trouble. I think the problem is, and I've had this conversation with people where I've tried to explain to them, okay, um, not from a TLM point of view, just from a faithful Catholic point of view. I tried to tell them, listen. The mass is not about you. Now, you want to get in trouble, and some Catholic circles say that, okay, and you're going to get in a whole lot of trouble. What do you mean? It's not about you. The mass is about Jesus Christ. I said that about, I said that to one of my friends one time, um, who's, uh, I said, we're talking about my father's uh, funeral back in 2005, all right? I just happened to reference that, and I said, that mass is not about my father. That mass was about Jesus Christ. That's right. If I love and care for the soul of my father, then I will I will at that mass pray to Jesus Christ for my father. I think so. I want you to comment on that, Cameron. I think that's one of the biggest problems we have to try to emphasize to people is we need a little humility in the church. We need to be able to say respectfully, listen, it's not all about you. Okay. The mass is about Jesus Christ. Talk about that if you don't that's want. really what we want at our even if we don't admit it we do not want just another social club on Sundays. We want something transcendent, something we can stake our claim in that is not changing, is not movable, is not going to leave when the world goes to hell. You know, uh, we want something consistent and true that is countercultural. That's really what we want. And I think when, one of the consequences, and I'm, again, I'm quoting Ratzinger, Benedict the Sixteenth. One of the consequences of turning the priest towards the people was that now his we have a closed circle of worship, and his attention is on you, and your attention is on him. And Father Bob, as good as Father Bob is, he's he's not a he's not a good image of Christ. You can't look at Father Bob and that is Christ. But when the priest is not facing you and his attention is on the Eucharist and we can't quite see what's going on, we're kind of drawn up into this mystery. And I, I heard it described once very eloquently that someone said they walked into their first traditional Latin mass and they felt like they walked into the coronation of a king <laughs> and they weren't given an invitation. Like it wasn't about them. You know, the priest wasn't looking at them. Uh, hi you know john and mary and like getting them to respond and this exchange the priest's attention was on the altar and something very important was taking place and if i wanted to be a part of that i had to open my hand missile and pray it and and actually enter into it uh and it wasn't spoon fed to me you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I think that's I want to hand it. I want to hand it over to Joe Cameron. Uh, we have a probably around five minutes left, but I think Joe Resinello, I think that speaks a lot about what you were commenting about, about the unfortunate fact that 70 percent of, let's say, American Catholics don't believe in the real presences, because I think that that's one of the problems. People think the mass is about them. We've spoken about that a million times. And, and we have to emphasize to people that the more people see us saying, you know, I'm focused over there. I'm focused on the altar. I'm focused on Jesus. People will get will get it through their heads what the mass is about, and perhaps we could try to help people to see that that really is Christ. 
present on the altar. And hopefully, you know, that that comes around. Um, I, I don't want to be too I long. Can I add a small statistic please, please. to that? Sure, please. The, the Pew so the Pew study said 70% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence. That is shocking. But then some people might say, well, there's a lot of Catholics who aren't practicing this or that and the other thing. What was more shocking to me in this in the same Pew study was it revealed, it looked at regular mass-going Catholics Sunday after Sunday. These are, you know, pra practicing Catholics, what you would call faithful Catholics. Listen to this. Only 60% of them believed in the real presence. Okay, only 60%. So we had four out of every 10 faithful Catholics in the pews, practicing Catholics, who actually believed in the real presence. So yes, 70% of Catholics don't believe, but 40% uh, of practicing Catholics don't believe. Don't believe, right. Yeah, let's, I, let's, that's I, I something just want to talk solutions. Um, and I think this is uh, potentially two things we can do. Um, one, encourage regular confession. This is not going on. At the TLM masses, there are confession before it. When I was a little boy at the Novus Auto Mass, there was confession. It's not there anymore. People are not growing in virtue because they don't hold themselves accountable. That has to come back. Two, adoration. Adoration changes a church and changes a community. Christ is the greatest evangelizer because he knows the heart and peels the onion. Parishes need to have adoration. Those are the two solutions that I put forth. Um, and I think it would change that idea of, yes, Christ is on the altar because now my eyes see, because there's something in the way. And that something is me. Joe, you let's know, give Cameron a chance to uh, comment on that because we only have about two and a half minutes or so left. And Cameron, I want to leave just a couple of seconds at the end where we can tell people to, uh, where they could donate, contribute, uh, and watch at least the first installment for now. I think we should support our good priests, our faithful priests. Uh, I think as fathers, uh, I think we need to find a traditional mass. Uh, maybe you have a Novus Ordo mass that has all these traditional mysterious components to it. But uh, we had to seek out the traditional Latin mass and find it because uh, we were at a parish that just was, frankly, offending the piety of our family. It was, it was militating against the thing I was trying to instill in my daughter, which was, this is Jesus on the altar. So I think the best thing we can do, honestly, is to find a traditional Latin mass. You, you can actually go to tlmfinder.com. It's a little thing we put together, tlmfinder.com. Uh, in order to see Mass of the Ages, simply go to YouTube and search Mass of the Ages and you'll find it. So watch it there. Uh, if you go to our website, you can also watch it at uh, massoftheages.watch. So massoftheages.watch. And then you can browse our website, learn more about what we're doing, get in touch there. Okay. Um, and did you go to film school? I did not. So I tried. <laughs> and that's a whole story. But I uh, self taught, uh, worked for a nonprofit for a while doing their video production, uh, built a business in uh, documentary filmmaking called Sacred Stories. And then uh, Horse Lord Films is the creative arm is the creative business uh, that does documentary films like this, like Mass of the Ages. And, and as it is right now, of course, as we just said, Mass of the Ages is a documentary. Will you be doing uh, any 
um, let's say to say, for lack of a better phrase, regular movies, um, the stories, Catholic, Catholic movies, Catholic themed movies. Yeah, we're developing a, a series of short films on Eucharistic saints. So we want to capture just a moment in their life, Eucharistic martyrs and this sort of thing. Just the moment, the Eucharistic moment where they laid down their life or first believed, those kinds of things. And it's called God Bread. And we're, we're developing that. It's a series of uh, 10 short films. So on horselordfilms.com, you can read more about that. Horselordfilms.com. Give a few bucks. I'm going to. I'm big into movies. I'm a big movie guy. I think Catholics need, you know, need to start making movies. Um, Martin Scorsese is not a Catholic filmmaker, okay? Mm. We need Catholic filmmakers. We need to support Catholic filmmakers. Very important. Cameron O'Hearn, we want to congratulate you on Mass of the Ages. It's it's current success. We know it's going to be even more successful as the next two installments come out. We want to thank you very much for being at the front line with Joe and Joe. And thank you all out there at the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Remember, please follow Joe and I on uh, social media. Media, Facebook, YouTube, the whole nine yards. You can like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And make sure you download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. Thanks once again. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation. And that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>